Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, it's been 13 years we've been waiting for this, but we are finally talking about the sequel to James Cameron's Avatar, Avatar The Way of Water. And I was thinking about doing a super episode on this one just because, you know, after all this time, it seemed like something to do. But, you know, we just did one on the Fablemans and uh, it's the holidays. I don't really have the bandwidth to do all that. Uh, so who better than to get for a regular episode on the sequel to Avatar than the guy that we just had on the Avatar Missing Pieces episode a couple of months ago, Sean Alexander from the Civico Road to Avatar podcast, and we have a great conversation coming up, lots of great puzzle pieces, and uh, yeah, so that's coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. We've got three episodes on the way next week, so make sure you're subscribed so you can check them all out as they come out. And uh, if you like what we do here on Piecing It Together, we'd appreciate your five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or wherever it is that you're listening. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And last but not least, uh, next week, December 30th, my new album, More Content, comes out. I will have something special here on the podcast talking about more content on the 30th, but uh, you can pre-order the album over on my Bandcamp. It's davidrosen.bandcamp.com, and of course the album will be on streaming uh, as well, not just the limited edition CD, although I do recommend the CD. But uh, yes, December 30th, more content. Very excited to share it with you all. But for now... Let's talk about Avatar The Way of Water. All right, I can't believe we're finally doing this, but we are going to be talking about Avatar The Way of Water, the long-awaited sequel to James Cameron's Avatar. And who else could I have to talk about this movie than Sean Alexander from the Civico podcast? Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great, and yeah, it's it's kind of crazy now to talk about it. It feels it feels weird. It's so weird. It, it's like this is a movie. It really exists. We really sat there in the theater and watched it, and uh, and now we're gonna talk about it. But um, 
I, you know, I guess we should kick this thing off. Like, you know, we'll get into plenty of puzzle pieces along the way. I also want to talk a little bit about um, some of our thoughts from how we just recently did that Avatar Missing Pieces episode, and if any of, uh, you know, any of that kind of applies to this conversation. But first and foremost, we've been waiting all this time. You started a whole podcast dedicated to the thing. I mean, were were you happy? Did you did you uh, did you have a good time going back to Pandora? Yeah, you know what? It's it's really weird because obviously. This is probably the most I've ever built a film up to for myself. Like leading into yeah. it, you, when you're talking about the same film for six months consecutively, like every day, basically, yeah, obviously yeah. you've got to be very excited for it. And thankfully, it did sort of hit my expectations, but it also left me in that sort of position of being like, I can see that there's definitely a lot more ahead. So I hope sort of box office numbers hit for then what they need to, so he can make the rest of them because it feels like there's even more to come, which is more exciting. Yeah, uh, one thing I noticed while watching it is like I, I kept imagining where the story is going from here, and like we, you know, obviously all these years of waiting, we know that he's been developing multiple sequels all you know together, and we know that the third one's already mostly filmed, and even supposedly a little bit of the fourth one. Uh, although he's also mentioned that they may not continue after three. It just it all depends on how this all goes, and so far. It's going quite well, as much as people want to spin it as a not success. I mean, it, it's going pretty well so yeah, far. Like, um, do you find that weird that people are trying to like say, "Oh yeah, sorry, this movie that made double the first one is doing bad"? It's 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 absolutely bizarre. So, somebody tweeted, I, "I wish I had written it down," but basically, it was like, "I I don't root for anything I didn't see when I was five. Like, like it, it's like." <laughs> It's so true. Like, no, everybody is so anti this doing well, and it, it's absolutely bizarre. And, uh, you know, I we talked about it on the other Avatar. Like, I like this movie. I, I, I don't, like, love, love the Avatar movies, but I like them enough, and I would rather see something original like this than, uh, you know, the 50th superhero movie of the month, you know? Yeah, like... Uh, certainly when I was watching it I was like man like you could just tell James Cameron's putting his all into it like he's not half-assed yeah. in any aspect of this which is great yeah absolutely well let's get into puzzle pieces and we'll talk about all this other stuff along the way but what do you have for your first puzzle piece I can't believe it but for Avatar The Way of Water so the first one I kind of want to focus on I want to talk about I, th I think Incredibles 2 kind of fits quite nicely in terms of okay. you've got uh, the family, Jake Sully's kind of having to like take on a new role because he's like mm. having to move. And I think that sort of relates to like the Parr family in Incredibles 2. They they have to basically relocate because they made a mess of the first place they were living. And yeah, yeah, he kind of finds himself in a situation where he's like, man, everyone's doing their own thing and I don't know what I'm meant to be doing now. And he keeps trying to like yeah. fit himself into this role that he kind of doesn't suit properly. And I I felt that with with the way of water as well. He's Still trying to be that macho, you know. He's a ex-marine. He's still trying yeah. to be that person, even though it's not called for anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've noticed that this is actually it's an interesting setup for something that's been part of the discourse this week. Is is that parenting style and everything, and like you know that that he's this tough guy, macho guy, and it's like 
it, the story, the the arc of the Jake Sully character is very much tied into that, and I, I think it's a big part of where we're going to go in the third one. It's a big part of where we we leave off, where he's realizing the error of his ways in this movie, and um, it, it definitely the whole movie clearly is about parenting and about like kind of the way that uh, the family fits together and the way that it it continues forward from the first movie. Um, one thing, I, I guess I might as well get this kind of criticism of The Way of Water out of the way. In a way, I, I don't know if, if you feel this way, but in a way it felt almost like they skipped a movie. Like, I, I, I feel like we could have gotten more of them starting this family as the second one, and then we get here. But it's like we're kind of just thrown right in. Oh, we already have multiple kids. We have this whole family dynamic, and where do we go from there? Yeah, it's it's definitely like a weird one because I know he had written like a, basically a whole story for everyone to read between. To basically, I know uh, Sam Worthington talked about it and so Sardana talked about it saying, yeah, we have like a whole script, which is basically a whole movie's worth of what happened between <laughs> this and the first right. Avatar. And I know yeah. they also released a comic series, which has some crazy stuff. They start, there's like space battles. Like they're literally the Na'vi going into space to fight <laughs> the humans. But I, yeah. yeah, it kind of does feel like it. That that first, like, I guess, like half hour feels a little bit rushed, but I guess it's because there's like 15 years to catch up on. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll go with my first puzzle piece. And um, I, I'm going to end up bringing up Spider a lot in this conversation because I'm, I'm a little obsessed with him. I, I think he's like ridiculous but at the same time like it's just i don't know i can't stop talking about them but uh my first puzzle piece is going to be ghostbusters afterlife from last year um i which is a movie that i'm i'm very mixed on but uh i feel like in a lot of ways we're, we're kind of doing the same thing here with avatar the way of water in which we bring back all the original characters even the dead ones um, and you know, then we bring in a whole bunch of new characters to bring everything forward to the new generation. Everybody gets their moments. Everybody has a whole lot to do. Generally speaking, plot wise, we're kind of doing the same thing. Uh, we burn down the ancestral tree. We fight back against the humans. You know, it's, it's still the same, uh, instead of it being for the unobtainium, now it's for the, uh, the brain stuff or whatever from the whales. Um, you know, so it, it's kind of plot wise redoing the original in a way, kind of like Ghostbusters afterlife did. Um, I, I feel like it, strangely for a movie that's been in development since before legacy sequel was even like in the lexicon, it's kind of a legacy sequel in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know what? That, that comparison to Ghostbusters is great. I was, I was trying to think of something that did, that sort of element of like, oh yeah, the kids are now just doing what the the adults were doing, and yeah, and I look, I'm I'm not a fan of that Ghostbusters. I think it is pretty rough around the edges. I I really don't like what they did with Egon. I think that is yeah. horrific. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I feel like at least the way of water bringing back characters, it 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 had some like plausibility to it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and you know what? Real quick, I left out. Uh, I I forgot to mention. I I started it out talking about Spider. Spider is our muncher. Um, that that's the that's the other connection there to Ghostbusters Afterlife. A really goofy uh, new character. You know? Yeah, just showing up, <laughs> causing chaos. Yeah, exactly. It's, I've seen people talk about Spider's character in this film, and he doesn't do like a whole lot 
to do with the plot aside from just causing like just being a bit of a pain in the ass that's right exactly <laughs> it's just he's just kind of a pain in the ass and, and he kind of looks silly just like muncher did mm. um i do i do love muncher though i as much as i'm not super big on uh, afterlife I, I love muncher uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh what do you have for your next piece you know, uh, you were talking about legacy and I've uh, like legacy sequels, and I think um, Tron Legacy, in terms of like how it handles the sort of that time gap, and it actually sure. works the time gap into it to make sense of why, you know, what we've had this huge gap between the sequels, what's happened in between here, and also they've kept it in world to be like, yep, this amount of time has passed, rather than, you know, like some sequels are like, oh yeah, like two, two minutes have passed, here's the next one. You know what, Incredibles 2 is yeah. a perfect example of that. There was like a t- 10, 15 year gap, but then they started literally yeah. two minutes after the last one finished. Yeah, Tron Legacy is a really good one. I had thought about including that as well, um, but I actually haven't seen it since it like first came out in the theater. Um, I'd, I'd love to rewatch it again sometime soon. You need but, to. Uh, yeah, and I mean, up. it definitely had a lot to deal with. Like, they, they had a lot to contend with for that long gap between sequels. So certainly, uh, you can imagine where that would come in. But um, I'm going to go for my next one. I'm going to get away quickly from movies for a little bit and go to a video game. Uh, and then we'll bring it back to movies. But uh, this was actually the first thing I thought of while sitting in the theater of watching the movie. Uh, the Legend of Zelda breath of the wild Mm. and specifically the zora kingdom um when when these and i i'm not going to go into any kind of like oh it looked like a video game criticism i know some people have leveled that against it i i don't really think so i think the effects look incredible to me it's more about the uh this this world that they've gone to that we're in the water and like these kind of like bouncy surfaces and and uh like the webbed uh bridges all around the water and all that stuff reminded me so much of uh the water kingdom and breath of the wild and then again like i had said earlier about how i'm like kind of starting to see maybe what the path forward that james cameron has in mind it does seem like we're going to go from uh i guess topography or whatever like like different areas of pandora and get to meet all of the inhabitants and then uh the sully clan is going to learn new abilities along the way until they've mastered everything in this entire planet uh and and that's kind of like that video game kind of structure of like you go to this new world you learn a new ability and then you're able to go to the next world learn a new ability so there's a lot of like video gaminess to that kind of plot trajectory for these characters I, I mean, the first Avatar is literally a video game because you're, you know, Jake Sully's literally going into his video game character as well. That's the whole idea of an yeah. Avatar, isn't it? So yeah. It really is. And I think, I think that's a great example is that whole, yeah, like, oh, we're going to be going to a new place. We've got new skills to learn. A little bit of story growth, but for the most part, it's because there's new, yeah, like a new environment. And you are right as well. Uh, I, I've read in an interview he did with, uh, James Cameron did with like a French magazine and he said the next group of, uh, Navi, you're gonna be. It's like her Ash people, so that's gonna be okay. in three. So that'd be interesting to see what what you know how that compares. Because obviously now you got that. I'm down for volcanoes on Pandora. And that I, sounds good. I think that's when David Fulis is showing up as well, which means I, I'm super psyched. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I, I love him. So that'll be great. Absolutely. Mm. What do you have for your next piece? So I want to talk more like specific moment and uh, the one in particular, well, actually, you know what? I want to talk about a character and it, the character is uh, the Tolkien. 
um, who Loak mm-hmm. were friends, because I got really big uh, Okja vibes um, from that. I felt oh, like okay. it's the sort of similar thing where they like introduce you to like an animal and you spend a good amount of time being like, oh man, these animals are great. What a great time. And then it hits you really hard with being like, and here is humanity slaughtering them. <laughs> And it's mm-hmm. and it's like really harrowing that there's like a whole sequence like in the middle of the film where it's just us watching these like Tolkien hunters like slaughtered this whale and then stealing its brain juice. It's awful. It's oh, like yeah. a dreadful sequence because it's it's real painful and it's like very emotional, honestly. Yeah, it really is. And and Cameron obviously like really wants to kind of rub our nose in it. And like, you know, I, that's I think part of why the movie needed to be over three hours, you know, it's like it, it need it needed you to like just be so in love with this world that it's created and just everything looking so beautiful and real. And then here comes those sky people again <laughs> to come and just absolutely destroy it. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great one. And, uh, and, and the, the, all the creature stuff in, in these movies is always so good. Um, it's, uh, it's really interesting. I, I'll go to another piece here. Uh, and this is one I, I looked back at our avatar missing pieces, uh, conversation and surprisingly, I did not bring it up at the time, but I think when we covered James Wan's Aquaman, uh, I brought up Avatar as a puzzle piece at the time. And, you know, certainly there there's some uh, comparison to be made between what uh, is happening here in The Way of Water and in Aquaman. I, I think James Cameron is somebody who just, you know, he loves to push technology forward, and he must have watched that movie and just been like, Oh man, what they are doing, I want to do that. I want to just have just like the most incredibly ridiculously over the top underwater sequences imaginable. And up, up until Aquaman, I would say that is what that is. And then, you know, here comes James Cameron with all this ridiculous budget and, you know, all of his new toys uh, to blow even that out of the water. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a show-off in that sense. It, it does feel... Mm-hmm. And when you think as well, because like Aquaman 2 was meant to come out this week as well, originally, against right. Avatar, and it's just... I, I think they made the right choice here, because it... Yeah, like when you compare the sort of like underwater effects they do in Aquaman compared to what they got in this one, it's just crazy difference like in terms of what they're trying to achieve anyway, because obviously Cameron's going for like this real hyper-realistic style. Yeah. And... With James Wan's Aquaman, you can kind of see that they've had to like tone it back a bit. There's only so much they were able to achieve with what they were working with. Uh, that's, yeah. I guess that's what 13 years gets you, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And attention to detail that no superhero movie is ever going to be allowed to, uh, you know, they, they just pump those things out as quick as they can, mm. you know. So, well, what do you got for your next piece? Uh, so for my next one, I want to talk about uh, a scene in the middle, which uh, reminded me of Jaws, because uh, Loak gets attacked by a shark thing, <laughs> and it's sure. pretty intense, honestly, and there's a section where he's just having to hold his breath under the water as well, and it's pretty intense, because you can just see him sort of like fading in and out as well at that point, because he's like, held his breath under there for a good like three, four minutes, and the shark that attacks him is pretty disgusting it's, i don't know it's got like a tri- tripod sort of style mouth where it opens up it's, yeah yeah kind of yeah. gross <laughs> everything wants to eat your eyes like jujb yeah right? that's, that's it just <laughs> trying to pluck out eyes weird <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i think uh, i think jaws is a great one and uh 
you know, as long as we're going to like a classic like Jaws, for my next piece, and I think we could kind of go back and forth on this a little bit, um, there's so much Cameron here. There's so, <laughs> so much, much James Cameron. <laughs> we, we could just pick, pick and choose anywhere you want to go. I mean, I, obviously, I already talked about like legacy sequel-ish. There's a, there's a lot of Avatar in here. But then you go to the Abyss. You go uh, Titanic with the whole ending sequence of the ship, you know, capsizing. Uh Terminator, uh, there, there, there's plenty, plenty of that. Aliens, like the mech suits and all that. There's so much Cameron. Were there any like major parts of it that like kind of stuck out to you as being Cameron inspired by himself? I mean, Spider's clearly like a Newt slash John Connor sort of insert. Sure, that feels like yep. the, one of the most obvious ones. But I think you're right when you're talking about like the Abyss and Titanic because. The underwater bits, and there's a lot of like claustrophobic moments as well. And I think the abyss does mm-hmm. that the best in terms of, yeah, like you're in this environment which is all mechanical. It feels like there's no way out, and it's just water rising, and these characters being like, "Well, I guess I'm about to drown." Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that in the movie. There's, I, there's at least like four or five times where I was like, "Well, there's here's how this character's gonna die. This character's gonna drown now." Yeah, for sure. No, and I, and I think like you know we're seeing like a for the most part like a really huge critical response to this movie. Um, and I think part of the reason why is we've been craving those kinds of James Cameron action sequences that are just so visceral and so like, you know, how the fuck are they going to get out of these situations that he gets them into? And they just they seem so action packed and so insane. And uh, that that's why we love his stuff that's why we love terminator and aliens and then you know like these movies are, are insane yeah like that last hour sequence like basically the last hour is full action sequence i don't think they let up yeah. in that entire time and it's unreal the amount that goes on but it's so clear as well where everyone is what's happening when who's being affected yeah. by it and obviously yeah like i just feel like a lot of the times especially with like more modern action films it does feel like just a mismatch of, oh God, I don't know where anyone is based to anyone else. But this here yeah. is just as clear as anything. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy that, that they're able to pull it off like that. But uh, what do you have for your next piece? Uh, so for my next one, I wanted to uh, bring up, I think I feel like with Kiri, so the, the character Sigourney Weaver plays, she's got like this connection to the world and I found that really interesting, and I feel like it's going to end up being explored a lot more in the sequels. And it kind of reminded me of Midnight Special a little bit, which okay. I with because the, the kids got like this sort of like really like magical, unexplained connection, and I've got a feeling they're going to kind of follow that more going forward in terms of like if they see you know a few people were like watching Kiri do some weird ass <laughs> godlike abilities controlling the planet. At some point, yeah. someone's going to come for her. She's got that sort of power. Yeah, I, I have a feeling too. Like as powerful as she'll end up being, James Cameron will probably pull back before she is like full blown. Like I, I don't know, Dark Phoenix or whatever. Mm. Like you know, any of those superheroes that are like so all powerful that it makes nothing matter anymore. Yeah. It seems like it, we were just talking about like that that sense of like knowing who is where and what what you know. Like I feel like character wise too. Like the power will never get so imbalanced that it's like it's like these superhero type things, which is part of uh, part of what we love about Cameron's work and about this movie. Mm. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I will go with one 
so I wanted to include this on my list, but it's it's too new to really necessarily be an inspiration uh, because it is a 2022 film. But I, I wanted to bring it up anyway. Uh, David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future uh, from this year, which is probably very <laughs> left field puzzle piece to bring up. But um, characters in the future in that movie, they inherit things that really shouldn't be able to be inherited. Like, for example, the number of fingers uh, that are inherited here in Avatar from Jake Sully's character, or, you know, any any character who is being born out of an Avatar, which is not a, you know, a living being until something's injected. Like, it, it's just, there's a lot of that going on that is like, it's very science fiction, of course, and so it works because it's sci-fi, but at the same time, these things, it doesn't feel like they should, uh, they should inherit in that way, and that, that reminded me a lot of like the way things work in, in, uh, in the science of crimes of the future. Yeah, that's, you know, that's really good. And also, it's weird how much they bring up the whole finger thing, I thought, in the movie. <laughs> because it's yeah. like the main bullying point by the uh, by the kids when they're like trying to take the mick out of uh, Jake Sully's kids. They're like, oh, look at you, yeah. you've got four fingers. Yeah, the kids are mean. Yeah. Kids are uh, messed up. I thought, <laughs> but to be fair, I thought the bullying was actually on about the right level that you'd expect for kids, honestly. That's right. Kind of, yeah. In this kind of environment. I feel like child dialogue is a really hard thing to master and Mm -hmm. it it toes the line at times but for the most part i think it's pretty good yeah yeah and and i do think uh cameron's dialogue you know it's at times a little stuck in the 90s um you know some of like the disses and stuff like that (laughs) but uh i think someone got called like butt munch at one point or something like that like you know (laughs) so like uh but you know it is what it is. So, uh, what do you have for your next piece? Uh, for the next one, I want to mention Spy Kids because I feel nice. like the yeah, like the kids take over on this one. Really, they do, and mm-hmm. you kind of see Jake and Dateri kind of take a back seat for the most part until like yeah. towards the end. And I kind of liked it because we know who Jake and Dateri are. That's you know we know their story. We've seen it in the first one, and it's kind of interesting to see how their kids react to their how they've been raised, how they're, you know, reacting to this new environment. And yeah, for the most part, I think the kids are are actually really good. And it was, yeah, reminded me of Spy Kids in that way, because those kids are actually very enjoyable to watch in those films. Right. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I believe we did talk on your podcast about Robert Rodriguez being Mm -hmm. one of the obvious choices for taking over if James Cameron doesn't want to uh, continue Avatar movies at some point. And as we start shifting the focus to the the next generation, why not Robert Rodriguez to uh, have a whole family of kids kicking all kinds of Navi ass, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Because, like, I feel like handling kids and especially, like, kids who are growing up on sets, it's, it's like a tough job. That That's not easy to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, Harry Potter is probably the only example that people have of where it's gone probably quite well over the time period. But, yeah. Yeah, like it'd be interesting to see like someone like Robert Rodriguez do it because obviously he did work on the, with the same kids for three films in a row, and all those films seem to do pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will go with something I haven't watched in a long time, but I feel like you kind of have to bring it up in talking about the way of water, and that is Waterworld. You know, I mean, again, you know, I, I, we talked about it with Aquaman for underwater, but just in general, filming around 
water and wanting to make a movie that's so water-based uh and and such a a unique setting really i mean the vast majority of this movie does take place on this uh this ocean village that's mostly on and under and around the water and the challenges that that you know that must present to try to film something like that it's it's insane and and we all know just how uh fraught with difficulty Waterworld was to uh to make and of course things didn't quite work out that well for Waterworld but um you know here I think we're going to be a lot more successful but uh they both probably just dealt with such insane challenges to try to bring that kind of world to life yeah that that's like instantly I was thinking about Waterworld in terms of like yeah like the scope and scale of trying to do something like this and obviously they did, was it in the nineties? Waterworld came out, that's, mm-hmm. and yeah, like that's you know, I think this is the, that's the perfect example of what would have happened if James Cameron tried to make Avatar in the nineties. It probably would yeah. have been another Waterworld at that time because yeah, there just was not the scope for what he wanted to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, the Waterworld uh, show at Universal Studios is awesome, um, and, and I do feel like Avatar is. It's almost like custom made to be a crazy over the top performance show at like a Universal Studios type of thing. So, you know, eventually if if these movies keep making billions of dollars, maybe we'll see some kind of a theme park amusement thing. Well, we we got the uh, they did a Cirque du Soleil show for it before oh, really? that that was really popular. I know. I think you can watch it in four on YouTube somewhere. Huh. So I need I need to catch up on that, but that seems like prime for it. I think Avatar sort of makes sense eventually to get some sort of show. Yeah, I could imagine that for sure. Well, uh, what do you have next? Uh, next, so I, I put Tarzan, but obviously you could just include anyone where it involves a jungle boy, because sure. <laughs> Spider is just pure like jungle boy in this, where he's just been a bit of a rascal the whole time. It, it kind of reminds me mostly jungle to jungle, oddly enough, because that's the one way he seems to cause the most like <laughs> mishaps to whoever he's involved with at the time. I think it's Tim Allen in that one, isn't it? Is that a Tarzan movie called Jungle to Jungle? Yeah, there's a well, I, it's sort of like vaguely Tarzan. So it's it's the same premise. Like the kid comes to, I think he ends up in New York or something like that. <laughs> jungle to Jungle. I just I just brought it up and it looks so ridiculous. I I've never seen. Oh, this. it is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh like God. if you want to watch something and just completely forget about it, like ten minutes later, perfect. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. All right. Well, you know what? That's a a great uh, segue into my final puzzle piece then um, in in talking about Spider, because uh, I had joked on Twitter that that I'll probably get some one star uh, reviews for this one. But um, in talking about Spider, uh, I was thinking about Shane Black's The Predator which I know people hate that movie and think it's just absolutely terrible. Um, I'm not going to defend that movie at all. Like it's, it's, it's a mess and, and it's kind of a, what I believe to be a failed experiment. But when that movie came out, my theory on it was, and I may be giving Shane Black way too much credit. Um, but my theory is that he was trying to replicate, replicate uh, the movies of the late eighties, early nineties, um, these action movies that we're all nostalgic for and we all love, but we're kind of seeing through these like kind of nostalgia tinted glasses that are really very, very cheesy. If you were to like watch them without that nostalgia. And to me, that's what spider is. I think spider is, <laughs> I, I mean, he's 
freaking ridiculous and i i would i would i would not i would not try to defend him if somebody was like saying that he's terrible you know as a character but i don't think he's that much different from the kinds of characters you mentioned new you mentioned john connor um you know the kind of characters that we have so much love for the movies that we see past the fact that they're very corny by today's standards and i think that's the kind of character that james cameron is writing with spider um th this character is going to be in the next two avatars you know and and it's clearly a major part of the story um i i really think that that's what shane black was trying to do with the tone of the predator with making it so goofy and so like just ridiculous and i think that that's what cameron's doing here with spider as well and uh if people disagree that's fine uh but <laughs> i said my piece you know what I, I i think you're right though because i remember because that's the one with jacob tremblay in isn't it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so i remember being yeah pretty excited for it coming out because i was like oh yeah cool shame blood love love his work and sure. i was interested to see what, what he'd do because it's an interesting franchise and obviously he's got like a connection to it already. But yeah, like he, he kind of really like pushed it to be like, yeah, this is exactly what we did in the eighties. And it just, yeah, that, that the sort of didn't work for him. Right. But I feel like Cameron's almost like impervious to this kind of thing. I don't, <laughs> right. Something about his writing. I, and I think it's basically, I, I know a lot of people talk about it is that he's not cynical with his writing in terms of, mm -hmm. He never like does that wink to the audience to be like, "Oh, look how ridiculous this is." He's always like, yeah. "No, this is like life or death situations for these characters." You know, there's like humorous yeah. moments. I know um, the the youngest kid took makes a joke about how she's been tied up again for the <laughs> again, <laughs> and I, I, that was pretty yeah, funny. And that that fits right in with that yeah. too. That fits where it's like you know, I I think we're so like kind of poisoned by like the whole irony thing, you know, and and it's it's so in the culture of of blockbusters right now that everything has to be ironic and everything has to be uh, so detached and winking at the audience at every moment. You know, this is like going right for what those kinds of movies were back then before we, you know, ended up where we are with blockbuster filmmaking mm -hmm. right now, which is why this feels like a breath of fresh air, even if it's a little goofy. Yeah, and I feel, I feel like I'd rather a film be, like, real earnest and, like, have a lot of heart to it rather than just being like, hey, look how ridiculous we are the whole time. And I, I, I that's it. I think I've had, like, 10 years of, like, movies trying to poke fun at themselves. I'm, I'm a bit bored of it now. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, do you have any other puzzle pieces? Um, the only other one that I had, I had The Shape of Water, which was mostly okay. due to uh, just this sort of, like, different wet approach to underwater scenes where there's almost a sensitivity to it. Like mm -hmm. it's like a softness to the shape of water, which I think there was in moments of certainly the second, uh, second act of Avatar, the way water in that. Yeah. It felt like there was a way of expressing the beauty of underwater, which I feel like a lot of people always show it as being like incredibly scary and dark, which it is. But, yeah, yeah. Shape of Water does a really great way of showing it as being beautiful. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a a great extra one uh, to to go out on. Um, we could also throw in Fast and Furious because it's about family. family. Uh, but I already made that but joke. No, on Vin the, Diesel. Uh... Boo! Come on, <laughs> get him. Bring him in. He'd be a good fit. We 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 love Vin Diesel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's do the finished puzzle, and then we'll uh, get into some closing thoughts here. Uh, we talked about The Incredibles 2, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Tron Legacy, The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, Okja, 
Aquaman, Jaws, the collective works of James Cameron, uh, Midnight Special, Crimes of the Future, Spy Kids, Waterworld, Jungle to Jungle, The Predator, and The Shape of Water. And I would throw in there, um, I didn't put it on my list of puzzle pieces, but um, really just like nature documentaries in general, mm. like you could go with like the planet Earth or something like that. That whole middle hour is just like the world's most beautiful nature documentary, especially if you're seeing this thing, you know, in IMAX 3D high frame rate, like it just, it looks insane. Yeah. Like it, I, I argued with a few people saying that the underwater shots look more beautiful now than any, and more realistic than anything above water looks like now in these movies, yeah. which is crazy to me. Like, how do you make it look even better? And mm -hmm. I think you're right about the nature docs. Um, one in particular that I was thinking of, I think there's one called Finn by Eli Roth which is to okay. do with like shark hunting and things like that. And that sort of reminded me of the, uh, the whale hunting scene as well. Very cool. Yeah. I haven't seen that one, but, um, but yeah, that, that, that whole kind of sub genre. And honestly, like I would, I would, I would go back just to watch those sequences. Like I would watch a two hour, just Pandora documentary at this point. That's how mm -hmm. incredible it all looks. And I think, you know, the funny thing is like, it sounds like, like, Oh, that's not something that would never happen. No, I think it kind of would with James Cameron. Like, I think he would love to make that if he had, like, carte blanche to spend all the money in the world. Like, I think he would love to make a two-hour nature documentary about uh, the seas of Pandora. He'd be all over that. Yeah. And also, like, it's saying, look, I'm just saying Disney, hey, look, finance it, because Disney Plus would be perfect for sort of platform for that sort of content, where people could just pull it on in the background, you know, get David Attenborough to voice over it. Perfect. There you go. No one even knows the difference. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, did you have any other uh, closing thoughts? Anything we didn't quite get to? Obviously, you've been, you know, avatared out with your own, <laughs> you know, review and everything else you've been doing uh, for the movie. But anything you wanted to bring up real quick? Uh, honestly, just if if you were like on the fence about seeing it because you haven't like seen it yet and you're thinking, oh, like, is it worth it? Is it like an improvement on the first? I would say it's actually remarkably different from the first the storyline has some similarities, but it, I think it explores them in a more interesting way. And yeah, as you said, that, that middle, that second act where it turns into a nature documentary is just like unreal. That, that sort of stuff I could watch forever. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, you know, this goes almost without saying at this point, but like see it in the theater, um, oh, just yeah. like the first one, you, you have to see it in the theater, even if you're even just mildly, you know, interested in like, eh, I kind of want to see it. Like, don't wait till it's at home. Like you watch this in the theater or you just don't watch it. Like seriously, go watch it in the theater. Mm. And also don't like watch like rips of it because it looks awful. <laughs> if you try and watch it through like someone's badly filmed phone. <laughs> oh God. We're dealing with a new world uh, that I, I liked it better when uh, people didn't do that, but yeah, no. people love sharing it's, it's, those clips. It's crazy because I'm like, it, just go, go see it. Like, it's fine. It, in like three months' time, you'll be able to watch your Disney Plus anyway. So, like, just yeah. watch it in the theater if you're going to. Like, there's plenty of other things to watch of it anyway. There's like so many trailers out. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Plus, you'll get to see the Mission Impossible trailer, but that's another yeah. conversation. Uh, <laughs> is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oh, yes, I would. I would like to recommend uh, people should watch Krampus, the, the one from 2015 with Tony Collette and Adam Scott, because it's the festive season. And uh, also yeah. that movie is beautiful and the Krampus in it is terrifying. 
great great recommendation there uh and yeah good one for the holiday season so yeah there you go awesome well i'm really happy we're able to do this sean tell people where they can find uh you and your podcast yeah, so best place to find me, if you go on Twitter, it's at AvatarPod. Uh, I'm on all the usual uh, podcast platforms, but also find me on YouTube because there's sometimes some extra content on there, which isn't on the rest, including like videos about Avatar. Well, obviously about Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> well, uh, everybody go check out all that stuff. There's so much more to, uh, you know, explore with this world, of course. But um we will uh, look forward to getting you back again sometime, Sean. Thank you so much for being here. I guess I'll see you in two years' time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there we go. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harris, and we co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years, and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Avatar The Way of Water. Thank you to Sean for joining me on that one. Make sure to go check out his podcast and all the stuff that he's been doing about Avatar. And thank you to you for listening. Uh, if you enjoy what we do here on Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed. we got a lot more episodes on the way. Uh, three next week. And then we'll start getting into our top ten list type special episodes and stuff like that. And then it's a whole new year, 2023. So I just want to thank you all for being out there. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, of course, at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget about our Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. And, of course, my new album, More Content, will be out next week, December 30th. You can pre-order it right now on my Bandcamp. That's davidrosen.bandcamp.com. It will, of course, be on all the streaming services as well on December 30th. And we've got something special hitting the Piecing It Together feed on December 30th that relates to more content. So uh, lots of more content coming your way. Uh, starting off with closing out this episode with a song from the album more content this is a song called secret places hope you enjoy it we'll be back with more piecing it together real soon
West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.